0: Christmas time is here, isn't it? You turn on the radio and you hear Christmas music. Maybe you've heard Christmas music for a while. You go to stores and you see Christmas decorations. You go to your house and you've probably all have your Christmas tree put up and your lights put up. If you don't, today's a good day to put your lights up. It's going to be a beautiful day today. Maybe some of you have already done all of your Christmas shopping and the gifts are wrapped. All that's left is to put them underneath the tree. Maybe you've made plans with family members to come visit you for Christmas or to go and visit them, and so you're already starting to cook and prepare meals together. And then there's some of us who still haven't gone Christmas shopping yet and are saying, it's still only December 10th. We still have two weeks, and we're planning on making good use of those two weeks and one day until the 25th. Christmas time is here, but Christmas isn't here yet. This morning, we're going to look at the idea of something that is here, but not yet. There are two things that are here, but not yet. And as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem in Luke chapter 17, he's stopped by the Pharisees, and they ask him a question, and Jesus stops to answer the Pharisees' question, and he continues to explain more about this topic to his disciples. I'd invite you to stand as we look at Luke chapter 17. And read verses 20 through 30, and we see what this thing is. It's here, but not yet. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through verse 30. Reading in Jesus' name. Now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And he said to to the disciples, The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, look there, look here, do not go away and do not run after them. For just like the lightning, when when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Father God, these are your words, and your word is true. We pray lord that you would sanctify us in your truth here this morning open up our hearts and our minds to hear the words that you have for us and father help us to receive this message in faith thank you again jesus for coming to us through your word as you come to us now in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated the pharisees begin by asking jesus about the coming kingdom about the kingdom of god and they say jesus When is it coming? When is the kingdom of God coming? And Jesus answers them and he says, It's not coming with signs to be observed. No one's going to tell you, Oh, it's over there, there it is, it's coming on the horizon. Or it's here, it's right here now. But Jesus tells them that the kingdom of God is in your midst. It wasn't the answer that they wanted to hear. The Pharisees were looking for a political kingdom. They were looking for someone to come and to rid them of Roman rule. That Rome would stop bossing them around. That's what the Pharisees were looking for. They're looking for a kingdom that was coming in might, in glory, in knights and shining armor, so to speak. They're looking for an earthly ruler to come and set them free once again. But Jesus didn't come to set them free politically. Jesus came to set them free spiritually. And so he tells them. He tells the Pharisees that his kingdom is, in fact, already here. It's in your midst. It's among them. And some translations have the words written down, the kingdom is within you. And if you look into your Bibles, you'll see a little footnote on that word, either among or within. And you'll see the footnote says it could be translated either way. The word is used twice in Scripture. Once it's translated within, the other time it's used among. But it seems the best way to read this here is among them. Because the kingdom of God is not within the Pharisees. They have rejected the king. They have rejected the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not inside the Pharisees. But Jesus says to them, it's here in your midst. If they were to open their eyes, they would see it and remove their unbelief. All the prophets had been pointing towards this moment when the Messiah would come and what he would do when he came. And right now, the Messiah is standing before these Pharisees. He has already fulfilled numerous prophecies, and he has yet to fulfill more prophecies. Will the Pharisees see it? Will they close their eyes because they're looking for a different kind of Messiah? The kingdom is here, Jesus says. But what does this kingdom look like? How are the Pharisees to know that it's here? And jesus says that the kingdom of god isn't coming with signs to be observed so how will we know when it's here when it comes he says you're not going to be able to look at the world and see an army coming and say there the kingdom of god is coming that's not how the kingdom of god comes it doesn't come with outward signs but this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom In the lutheran confessions we're taught that the kingdom of christ is defined as the righteousness of the heart and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that this kingdom isn't a physical kingdom. In summary, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's a kingdom where there are believers. The kingdom of God is found where there are believers. So in a sense, this kingdom is in one hand spiritual and can't be seen, but on the other hand, it's physical and it can be seen. As we see believers, as you look around and see believers here today, the kingdom of God is seen in believers. As an AFLC, one of our doctrines in the fundamental principles, the first one is according to the word of God, the congregation is the right form of the kingdom of God on earth. According to the word of God, the congregation is the right form of the kingdom of God on earth. And I see some of you are kind of furrowing your brows a little bit, saying, wait a second, what are you talking about? The kingdom of God is the congregation? I thought the kingdom of God was going to be something more glorious Look around, we're not all that glorious, are we? We look pretty good, but I'm sure when we picture the kingdom of God in our minds, we're thinking of something a whole lot nicer than this. The second fundamental principle defines what the congregation is, is. It says the congregation consists of believers who by using the means of grace and the spiritual gifts as directed by the word of God, seek salvation and eternal blessedness for themselves and for their fellow men. It says here the congregation is made up of believers who use the word of God and the means of grace that are holding fast to the promises of God and his word. And as they do so, they are inside change, they are righteous, and the Holy Spirit comes to us through word and through sacrament. So the congregation is made up of believers. The kingdom of God is made up of believers. And in this kingdom of God, there is no room for sin. There is no dark spotches anywhere. Paul writes in Ephesians that it's pure, that it's spotless, that it's holy, and that it's blameless. In a sense, we can look at the congregation and see the kingdom of God as we've gathered here this morning. The righteousness of Christ and the Holy Spirit. God works for the congregation to bring his kingdom here. Now you might be thinking to yourself as you look around, wait a minute. You just said that the kingdom of God is holy and blameless, pure and spotless. And I look at my life, I'm not holy, I'm not blameless, I'm not pure, I'm not spotless. And I'm looking at you today, and as you look around, you could look at others and say, I know for a fact this person is not holy, and this person is not blameless. You saw what they did yesterday or two weeks ago and i get it we see each other's shortcomings some more than others but nonetheless it's impossible for any one of us to play off this idea that we are perfect we can't fool anybody into thinking we're perfect and this is why the kingdom of god is spiritual and not physical when you look at any church gathering on sunday morning you're going to see a gathering of sinners right As we've all gathered together today you're probably gonna go home and sin at some point for sure this week we're sinners but what we can't see as we gather here this morning is Jesus Christ working through his word coming into our hearts by faith making us righteous making us pure and holy as we trust in the forgiveness of sins that comes through Jesus Christ and in that sense the congregation is invisible because we, don't, we can't see whose hearts are forgiven and whose hearts aren't forgiven. It's not for us to say. So on the one hand, it's visible as the congregation gathers together. But on the other hand, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a physical kingdom. It's spiritual. And it comes and must be received by faith. Yet we still see its coming as we can look down into our laps and see the word of God. And he comes to us there. We see the coming of the kingdom when Jesus comes to us in the body and the blood of Christ in communion, and we taste it, and we feel the wet moisture on our heads when we're baptized as well, and we see God working in that. The Pharisees didn't see the coming of the kingdom of God because they weren't looking in the right places. They weren't looking at people's hearts. They were looking at an external kingdom. They were looking for an earthly kingdom. But what Jesus came to bring was so much greater than an earthly kingdom that fades away over the course of time. Jesus came to bring forgiveness, eternal life, assurance of salvation. These things are spiritual things, and these things are real, and these things will never fade away. Jesus tells the Pharisees that the kingdom of God is here, it's in their midst. The kingdom of God is here today. It's in your midst as we've gathered together as believers, gathered together around the word of God. It's visible in the sense that we see believers, but it's invisible in the sense that we cannot see the working of God in each person's heart. It's a work that Jesus does in those who receive his word by faith. And the Pharisees did not receive Jesus or his word by faith, but rejected it. But there were those among them that day, the disciples and Jesus Christ who did receive the kingdom. And so the kingdom was in their midst, yet the Pharisees rejected it. All they wanted was a physical kingdom. Luther writes that this kingdom of God comes in two ways. It comes here in time through word and through faith, what we've just been talking about. But it comes in a second way in eternity, through the final revelation. And this is when the spiritual kingdom will be made physical again, when our bodies are reunited with our spirits again, and all the dead in Christ will rise and reign in heaven with Christ, and it will be physical and spiritual. So today, as we gather together, we see the physical and the spiritual in its humble state. When Jesus Christ comes again, it will be made physical and spiritual in its glorious state and that we will see it for the glory that it really is, as we trust in Jesus. Now, we all agree that we're not perfect now, but we trust that God's word says that we will be perfect. And when he comes, we will see him as he is, and we will all be changed. And when the coming, There's coming a time when Jesus will reveal his kingdom, when Christ is revealed. In Colossians 3, verse 4, it says this, "...when Christ, who is our life, is revealed," Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. When the Son of Man comes again, we will be revealed with him in glory. And the congregation, the church, the body of Christ will be seen in the glory that it really is. The kingdom of God is here. It may not look glorious, but Jesus promises that when he is revealed, it will be glorious. And we will see it as it truly is. And it will be visible to all. That is a congregation the pure and spotless bride of Christ in all of her glory the kingdom of God is here as we enter into it by faith receiving the promises of Christ and as we receive the forgiveness of sins salvation eternal life it's here but in a sense it's not here yet not as what it will be in all eternity Jesus switches his topic to talk about the coming of the Son of Man with his disciples now you've got to think that the disciples here are having a hard time understanding this jesus is saying the son of man is coming again sometime sometime in the future he's not revealed yet but who is who are the disciples talking with they're talking with jesus they know that jesus is the christ peter has already made that confession they've seen jesus and him do all these miracles he's healed the lame he's healed the blind he's healed numerous diseases he's caused the lame to walk the blind to see the dead to rise they know that jesus is the messiah they'd seen him do numerous miracles casting out demons and forgiving people's sins so what does jesus mean that the son of man is coming and what does the son of man jesus christ mean when he says the son of man will be revealed hasn't he been revealed now as he is here in this earth As he came 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came to this earth, scripture says that he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Scripture says that for a little while he was made lower than the angels. Yet scripture also says in Christ Jesus as he lived here on this earth, in him dwells the fullness of deity in bodily form. Meaning, in Christ, God is there. God is, Jesus Christ is fully God. And yet, Scripture also says that God is spirit. So how can we see him? Yet in Christ, God is spirit and man. And we saw Jesus Christ, we saw God. He didn't show up when he came with all of his glory. He didn't show up with all of his majesty. He didn't even show up, the king of the universe, demanding that he be served but he came humbly to serve. And yet there were glimpses in his life here on this earth where people saw his glory, at his transfiguration, at his baptism, when the father said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. When he did these numerous miracles, they saw the glory of God there in their midst. But it wasn't the full glory of God. No one could stand in the presence of that. But Jesus came and emptied himself, to serve he was despised by men he suffered he was not esteemed not one of us would have looked at him and said this is a man that i want to follow he seems like things are going pretty well for him no one was drawn to him just because of who he was yet hidden inside the person of christ was the fullness of god emmanuel god with us in jesus christ and again while on this earth there were brief glimpses of who jesus was but not everybody saw it. Not everybody understood it. Not everybody listened. They missed it. They didn't see Jesus for who he was. And Jesus says here in this text that the Son of Man will be revealed. And he describes what's gonna, what it's going to be like on that day when he is ultimately revealed. And everyone in heaven and on earth will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. They'll recognize him as he is fully revealed when he comes again. But first, he says in verse 25, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. He did, in fact, suffer as he went to the cross for your sins, for my sins. He was rejected by his generation, wasn't he? When they had the choice of a criminal or Jesus Christ, they picked the criminal. They rejected him and sentenced him to die. But the rejection didn't end after his crucifixion. The rejection continued even after he rose again from the dead, when people wouldn't believe that Jesus was in fact alive again. His rejection continues even to this day, just as his rejection was there in the days of Noah, in the days of Lot, when people were so busy with buying and selling and family life, being married and giving themselves in marriage and eating and drinking, all of these things, none of which are bad, but they're distracted by these things. And they missed the warning that the Lord had come to give them. And they had rejected the Lord. Jesus says that it will be the same in this day. It will be the same in the day when Jesus comes again. When the Son of Man comes again. He says it will be just like the days of Noah. Just like the days of Lot. When people are too busy for Jesus. Too busy to heed the warnings that are coming. That Jesus is in fact coming again. And we should be ready. We should be prepared. So we look back at the story of Noah, Noah was told to build an ark, and it took him quite a while to build that ark, 120 years. And all the while, as Noah is building this ark, people are mocking him, and people are mocking his God. Yet board by board, nail by nail, the ark was getting closer and closer to completion, and God's judgment was getting closer and closer and closer. Did people care? Did people listen? They didn't. Day by day, as each day passes today in our lives, the day when Jesus Christ comes back again is getting closer and closer and closer. Are people listening? Or are people too busy with their daily lives, too busy with their business, too busy with their planting and harvesting to know that Jesus Christ is here? Are we too busy to receive Christ as he comes to us in his word? Or do we look around and say, you know, I'm expecting something greater. When he comes, the congregation, yeah, you can say that's good. You can say the kingdom of God is there, but I want something that's better. I want something where it's more spiritually alive or whatever it is. But as we gather together as a congregation, believers in Jesus Christ, as we receive the sacraments, as we receive God's word, as we receive it by faith, we are believers and there is Christ's kingdom. And God calls us to invite all of those around us into his kingdom to receive the forgiveness of sins, to receive eternal life and salvation and the assurance that they are saved on the basis of Jesus Christ. He invites us to open our doors to others and to warn them that Jesus is coming back. And his word tells us that when he comes back, there isn't gonna be any more second chances. There isn't gonna be a, oh Jesus, I'm sorry, I didn't see it before. There's definitely gonna be a regret. But just as in the days of Noah, it was instant, Just as in the days of Lot, it was instant. When Jesus Christ comes back again, it will be instant. And those who are not believers in Christ will be destroyed. This is the warning that Christ gives his disciples here as he is about to go to the cross and die for their sins and rise again and put them to the mission of building God's church, of springing his word to those around them. God brings us the same mission today. He calls us to be his disciples to share his word with those around us but to receive his word also in faith and receive the forgiveness of sins as christ has come to save us the kingdom of god has come to you today the kingdom of god is here in our midst and the question is as the savior is beckoning us to enter into his kingdom will we enter it or will we wait for something better for something more glorious for something else. and Jesus is here today, and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So come to him today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. Jesus, we thank you that you have given us warning, that you give your people warning, you give the world warning. Thank you, Father, for being patient with us for giving us more time so that more people can come to know you, so that more people can be saved, so when you come again, Father, more people will be ready. I pray that you would help us to be ready as well as we hold on to you in faith. Thank you, Father, that your kingdom is here amongst us as we receive your word, as we receive the righteousness of Christ for us as well. Lord, I pray that you would help us to bring this message to those around us, to a lost and dying world, to warn them but Lord, also to be Christ to them, that as you are living in our lives and as we serve our neighbor, that they would see you, that they would come to know that you love them and that you desire for them to be saved. Help them to be ready as well when you come back again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.